Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You're listening to the Qalam Podcast. Alhamdulillah, since last Ramadan, over 4 million people have benefited from, listened to, and downloaded the Qalam Podcast. Tens of thousands of people have benefited from and learned from the various classes, intensives, and seminars that Qalam provides. And inshallah, this Ramadan will be providing even more beneficial content, lectures, and programming for people all around the world, free of any cost or charge to them. In order for us to keep doing this work, we need your support, we need your help, we need you to be our partners in this Sadaqah Jariyah. Please go to supportqalam.com. That's support, Q-A-L-A-M, supportqalam.com, and provide your most generous support. Millions of people all around the world are insha'Allah, bi'idnillah, going to benefit from all of this work, and this will be your sadaqah jariyah for the eternal life of the hereafter. We really appreciate having you as part of the Qalam team and supporting us in this work, this mission, this cause. Jazakumullahu khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Assalamu alaikum. Bismillah walhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. How is everybody? Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Welcome uh, to our, alhamdulillah, our third night here. This is the 23rd night, uh, the second of the odd nights of the last 10 of Ramadan. May Allah Ta'ala accept from us. May Allah Ta'ala grant us the ability to find Laylatul Qadr and to benefit from it, uh, inshallah. And I hope and pray that everybody in, is, uh, you know, prepared and has been making the most of this night since Maghrib, of course, all the way into the Fajr prayer. Um, uh, we are going to continue, inshallah, for a brief amount of time going through our, our reading of the Wasiyah of Ibn Qudama, rahimahullah. Um, we covered so far the first two sections or the first two you know, parts of the book, which, number one, he stresses the importance of time and taking advantage of time. Number two, uh, we went through what he identified as being four of the greatest risks of a person's iman, uh, four of the greatest ways that a person can deprive themselves of experiencing true faith and of deflating their heart from that presence that they want to have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the next section is he's going to talk about how a person, what realizations a person can have that will help shake them, right? Because all of us over the year, for 11 months, we develop this... Uh, uh, um, What's the word, man? This residue, right? This, this rust the Quran talks about. And the Prophet ﷺ, he mentioned that verse specifically when he talked about the, in the hadith about the, the, the blemish that appears on the heart of a person when they commit a sin. So that is something that we go through for 11 months. And then we have Ramadan, which is supposed to be a month of realization which gives us the chance to shake that dust or clean the rust off of that heart so that we can, inshallah, come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we're going to begin. Um, and just briefly, I have to apologize to everybody sincerely. Um, Musa, my son, has the flu. Make dua for him. Um, I'm not apologizing because you're, you've got it now, but <laughs> I'm apologizing because it's, it's poor adab, but tonight I have to do something, and I sought permission from Sheikh Abdel Nasser first, and I want to ask your permission too. 
uh, Mehreen really wants to come pray Qiyam, inshallah. And if I, if I stay till the end of our session, then she won't be able to make it because I have to go and, and be with the kids while she's able to. So what I'll do is I'm going to do my part, and then if it's okay with everybody, I'm going to take leave, if that's all right, so I can make it home in time so that Mehreen can come, inshallah. My wife, that's who I'm talking about. If those of you who don't know who Mehreen is, you're like, who's this Mehreen lady? Why do you care so much about her Qiyam? <laughs> so, so she can make it, inshallah. So I'm, this, is, this is, objectively, I'm saying this, that that would be poor adab in front of one's teacher, in front of you know, an audience to just get up and leave. But with, the, with what we know about the rights and the responsibilities we have for our family, I just want everyone to be aware of what's going on so that you don't think that it's just, okay, he did his part and now he's leaving. I, I really would enjoy being here. And of course, I'm going to be listening to Sheikh's part on the way home. But I just wanted you to know that, okay? So please forgive me for that, inshallah. Okay, so in the beginning uh, of, of tonight's talk, he introduces now some remedies for some of these issues. So the first thing that he, that he mentions here is he mentions uh, being a person of reflectiveness, a tafakkur, being a person that can engage in, in thought. This is a skill, and I say that word like very intentionally. Being a reflective person is not something that's simply just given to some and not to others. This is a skill that everybody has to work on. It's a muscle that you have to build and develop, the ability to be those people that can think. And Allah Ta'ala mentions tafakkur uh, in the Qur'an as an action that believers should partake in, that they, they think about, tadabbur, tafakkur, that they reflect and they ponder about things. So when a person's reflective, they're able to realize and come to moments of realization. Some of the scholars call it like they're able to have like an opening, like a fetch, like, oh, wow, like that eureka moment that is talked about. So what are some of the things that Ibn Qudama tonight talks to us and tells us that we have to think about? The first thing he says is that in order for a person to work on themselves at the very ba bare minimum, to gain that taqwa, he says, وَعْلَمْ أَنَّ اللَّهَ تَعَالَى نَاظِرٌ إِلَيْكَ مُطَّلِعٌ عَلَيْكَ فَقُلِّ نَفْسِكَ لَوْ كَانَ رَجُلٌ مِنْ صَالِحِ كَوْمِ يَرَانِي لَاسْتَحِيتُ مِنْهُ فَكَيْفَ لَا أَسْتَحْيِي مِنْ رَبِّي تَبَارَكَ وَتَعَالَى He says that the first thing you have to think about if you want to be a person on this journey to Allah and this month of Ramadan and getting closer to Him, the first thing you have to think about is, is Allah watching me? And the answer is yes. Allah Ta'ala is looking and is observing and is aware of everything that you do, that you and I do. Now that moment, of course, that realization can be something that kind of settles internally, but we don't come to like a, an emotional response. So then Ibn Qudama gives you that example so that you can understand what it's supposed to feel like. He said, if you were to think, so say to yourself, nafsika, say internally, like think for a moment. If you saw somebody that you admired, that you loved, and that person was righteous, a good, a good person, and that person saw you doing something that you are embarrassed of, then he says your natural response would be that you would want to hide. You wouldn't want that person to see you in that state. You'd be embarrassed. So he says if you can feel this way about a human being, you know, that you're concerned about what people think about you, then he says, how can't you be the person that is concerned about what your Lord thinks about you? So he says that the person that you're scared of is not the one who's in charge of your reward or your punishment. The person that you are shy of is not the one who's ultimately going to write it in your book of your deeds. The person that you are afraid of is not the one that you should be concerned about. He says, you should be concerned about your Lord Allah 
who can watch you and see you, and he knows what you're doing at all times. He's the one that controls all of our destinies in terms of where we'll be in Jannah, inshallah, and inshallah, not in Jahannam. So our concern should be with him, okay? Then he says, furthermore, that you have to think about La amanu ta'ajil uqubatihi wa kashf sutrihi. He says that I'm not safe. He says, think about for a moment. If I am so concerned about other people, I have to realize I'm not safe from Allah Ta'ala expediting my uncovering of my flaws before people. And sometimes, subhanAllah, man, I heard this from so many different like scholars that they said that one of the ways in which Allah brings you back to him is he embarrasses you in front of people. He allows you to experience that embarrassment so that you can lose the fear of people and remind yourself that compared to Allah, that's nothing. And sometimes, you know, there's a, there's a famous athar that's attributed to Umar an, where there was a person who was caught doing a crime and he was going to get punished. And in the middle of the moment of punishment, he said, please don't, it's my first time. And Omar says, you're lying. You're lying. And the guy said, what do you mean? And he was kind of shocked. How could you just call me a liar right now? And Omar says, Allah is so merciful, he never lets you get caught the first time. <laughs> and the person, the, 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 the criminal, the thief, he, he started crying. He said, you're right. I was lying. I've been doing this for a long time. So if a person gets exposed, it's not the first time. Allah is so merciful, he lets you have that, that, that veil for a long time until you're dangerously close to veering away from him. And then something happens. May Allah protect us. Then he says, SubhanAllah. He says, you are only able to disobey him because of his blessings for you. The thing, my mom used to say this to me, man, SubhanAllah. She would say to me when I was a kid, don't disobey Allah with what he gave you. Don't do that. How can you disobey him with what he gave you? And we'll talk about this in a second because there's a beautiful story that he shares. So Ibn Qudama says, if you think logically about it, let's say that you're not like the emotional person, you're more like the logical mind. He says, logically, how could you use something that Allah gave you to go against him? It doesn't make sense. Emotionally, it's very painful to think about. Logically, it's nonsensical. So he says, realize you can only disobey him by means of his blessing. And then he says, how many blessings are in your hand, which he has given you, but then you stretch your hand out and disobey him with it? How many blessings are in your eye that Allah has given you, but yet you use your eye to look at that which is forbidden? How many blessings are in the blessing of speech, but then you use your tongue to disobey Allah by saying things that don't please him? Right? So this is, I mean, this is tafakkur. This is stuff that when a person sits and thinks to themselves, this is what causes them to change. Okay? So then he says, وَلَيْسَ مَنْ شَكِرَ مَنْ شَكْرِ إِنْعَامِهِ أَنْ تَسْتَعِينَ بِهِ عَلَى مَعْصِيهِ says that a person who is truly grateful to Allah, a sign that they're truly grateful, is that they'll never use his blessings against him. If you want to know, how can I be more grateful to Allah? Sometimes Sheikh's gonna laugh because I use this line a lot and he makes fun of me on Instagram. It's also bullying actually, but <laughs> addition by subtraction. Sometimes we're so concerned about getting close to Allah by adding something, when in fact one of the greatest ways to do it 
And honestly, one of the easiest ways is to subtract things. Subtract the bad deeds. Take that away. And you will see that even without adding anything new, you've now created more space for love of Allah in your heart. This is why the Prophet Sallallahu he said what? He said, do whatever I've commanded you to do as much as you're able. But he said, whatever, whatever I've forbidden you from doing, don't come near it. Because it is possible for everybody to not do something. Does that make sense? You guys understand what I'm saying? If I said, don't do this, all you have to do is not. But if I said, do this, there's so many steps. So in his teaching, the Prophet said, whatever you can do, do it, whatever's possible. Whatever is capable with you, for you. But his language changed completely. When it came to prohibition, he said, you are not allowed to do what I've told you not to do. Because that is just a matter of conceding to Allah. You don't have to learn anything new to not do something. You don't have to become ultra skilled to not do something. You just have to not, right? If you want to avoid going out to the wrong places, just go to sleep. <laughs> really, if you want to stop looking at haram things, just put your phone down. If you want to stop backbiting, just close your lips. Like you don't have to do something to stop doing something. You just stop doing something and you'll stop doing something. Right? So that's what he's saying here. The one who is thankful for the blessings of Allah is the one who does not use those blessings in disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he gives us this dua. This is a beautiful dua. He says, That there was uh, some of the righteous people used to say in their duas, Oh Allah, I seek forgiveness from you for the mistakes that my body was strong enough to commit by the health you gave me. And which my hands were able to obtain by the virtue of you giving me the ability to move them in which I, del I, I was delighted by your provision, in which I am veiled from people by your veil. Your forbearance and patience has made me emboldened. This is a bad kind of courage. Has emboldened me to do it. And I have put my, my trust only in the generosity of your forgiveness. The person is saying, oh Allah, everything you've given me, I, I continuously mess up with it. I continuously mess up with it. And when I think about it, oh Allah, the only reason I can do any of this stuff is because you gave me the ability to do it. And at this point, oh Allah, I'm so ashamed that all I'm doing is I'm asking for you to forgive me. Because I know that I'm, I messed up. I know that I messed up. Okay? So he said, may Allah Ta'ala grant us that dua. Ameen, Ya Rab. If only the blessing you had from him, he said, in your disobedience, subhanAllah, he said, if only the blessing you had, He said that if the only blessing that Allah gave you in the moments of your disobedience was that he, he hid it from others, it would be a sufficient enough blessing for you. Like think for a moment about how much he cares for you, that he doesn't let people see you when you're at your worst. He hides that from people. You know, Ibn Mas'ud famously said that if sins had a scent, like a bad odor, he said, people couldn't sit next to me. That's how he thought of it. The only reason why people like me or you is because they don't know everything about me. They don't know everything about you. And Allah's mercy upon us is that he hides our sins so that we can love each other. Otherwise, we would become so disappointed in each other, right? We become so disappointed. 
And it's it, it's not that's not being judgmental. That's just being human. When you see something that bothers you, you it's kind of hard to forget about it. So Allah hides your shortcomings from others so that you can still have people that can remind you and lift you up and be there for you. So he said if the only blessing that you got was the blessing that Allah Ta'ala hid your sins, it would be sufficient. Now here's the story, and I'll end here inshallah because Shaykh has a really, really important section. He says that there was a man who came to Ibrahim ibn Adham وَقَدْ رَوَيْنَا أَنَّ رَجُلًا أَتَى إِبْرَاهِيمُ ibn Adham فَقَالَ يَا أَبَا أَسْحَاقُ he said, Oh, Father of Ishaq, I am not able. I'm not able to control myself. I can't have I don't have the patience to deal with my desires and my sins. Like I just keep stumbling. So he says, Give me some advice that's gonna help me, that will benefit me. So Ibrahim ibn Adham, he said back to him, he said, Okay, I will give you five things, five questions that you need to ask yourself, that if you can answer these five questions, then go ahead and sin all you want. If you can successfully keep these five qualities, then you can sin all you want. The guy said, okay, bet, let's do this. So Ibrahim ibn Adham said, okay. He said, إِذَا أَرَدْتَ أَنْ Allah, فَلَا تَأْقُلْ رِزْقَهُ If you want to disobey Allah, the first thing you have to do to check off that list for disobedience do not use any of the provision he gave you, right? So don't eat anything he gave you. Don't use any money he gave you. Don't use any belongings he gave you. None of it. You can sin, just don't use anything he gave you. So the guy responded, and he said, how am I going to be able to, to, to live if I can't use the provision he gave me? So then Ibrahim responded to him. He says, how can you eat the, eat the food he gave you and use that food as energy to disobey? So then the per, the, he said, would you be able to do that? The man said, no. So then Ibrahim said, okay, how about this? Let's do four. Four out of five. Can you do that? The guy said, okay, let's try. He said, okay, the second, if you want to disobey him, then he says, what? Don't live on his earth. Don't live in his land. And the guy's like, are you serious now? What do you mean, don't live in his land? And he says, this is harder than the first question. I'm here. What do you want me to do? And he says, since the heavens and the earth are what and what are between are, are belonging to Allah, then where will I live? And then Ibrahim said to him, is it proper to consume the provision and live in his land and disobey him? Would you ever go to someone's house, stay in their house, eat their food and be, be, be rude to them? No. So he said, no. Ibrahim said, okay, you know what? First two are hard, I admit. Let's go three out of five. The guy said, okay, fine. So then he does the next one. And he says, the third one, when you want to disobey him, then he says, go to a place that he can't see you and disobey him there. And the guy's like, all right, now you're trolling me now. <laughs> like each one gets harder than the next. He goes, how can I go anywhere that Allah cannot see me? Allah Ta'ala can see everywhere between the heavens and the earth, the mountain, the seas, everything is clear to him. And then he goes, how, how? and then Ibrahim said, have you no shame? that you will openly disobey Allah in any form that he can see you? You know, when you want to hide something, you have shame, right? So then Ibrahim says the fourth one. When the angel of death comes to you, when he comes to you, and it's your time, look at the angel of death in the face and say to him, give me a few minutes so I can repent. 
And the man says, he will not let me. I, Allah in the Quran said that when a person's death comes, there's no delaying it. So the angel of death is not going to listen to me. He's going to listen to Allah. Allah's command is to take my soul and that's it. And Ibrahim said, you can't even get one minute from him? Ten seconds? Just to say, astaghfirullah? He said, no. So then Ibrahim said, how do you feel so confident sinning when you don't know when the angel will come? And then the last one. He said, when the, when the angels, that it's their job to take the people of the hellfire to the hellfire, he says, when they come and they try to take you to the fire, and they say, let's go, just tell them, no, I'm not going with you. And then he said, <laughs> the man said, they're not going to leave me. You think they're going to take everyone, and then when I say no, they're just going to say, okay, you get a pass? No. And then he says, Ibrahim said to him and said, if you are unable to fulfill any of these conditions, then every time you want to sin against Allah, ask yourself how you're going to answer to him about these five questions. How are you going to answer to him? Can you imagine if when we sin, Allah won't ask us necessarily like, why did you do that? The question might be deeper than that. It won't be like, why did you miss Fajr? It might be like, why did you miss Fajr and then wake up and then enjoy your coffee? One of my teachers actually used to say this to me. He said, Sheikh, uh, Sheikh um, Ihab, you know, remember Sheikh Ihab, Sheikh, I told you about him early on. He used to tell us, when you commit a sin, don't take this too literally, but I want us all to think about this. He said, when you commit a sin against Allah, and it's not like an accident, it's like one of those that are like, you just lost the battle against yourself. He said, deprive yourself of something that day. Just do it. If you miss Fajr, don't have coffee. Don't get your boba that day. I know we're laughing, but seriously, what were you looking forward to that day? Don't do it. Within reason, right? Don't be like, I can't go to work now. No, you have to go to work. <laughs> you have to go to work, right? But don't be like, don't be like oh, I'm still going to go hang out. No, you know what? Feel a little bit of that punishment. Give it to yourself. The, 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 the Salaf used to do this. The Salaf used to restrict themselves from these worldly luxuries and these beautiful, delicious and foods and desires, not because they were like crazy, but because they were like, maybe I didn't earn it today. If I didn't do, if I didn't live up to my expectations, I didn't earn it today. So Ibrahim ibn Adam is telling this man, if you want to commit sins against Allah, that's your prerogative, man. But you have to figure out how you're going to answer about these five questions. When Allah Ta'ala will ask us about this, may Allah Ta'ala forgive us. And then he finishes and he says, if you are tested by the acts of disobedience, he says, if Allah Ta'ala tests you by the acts of disobedience, then he said, rush to repent. Everyone say, astaghfirullah. Everyone say, Allah maghfirli, warhamni, wa'fu'anni, yarham ar-rahimin. Allahumma innaka afuwan tuhibbul afwa fa'fu'anna. This is, this is, this is it, man. That's a moment of just asking Allah. And I, I know that, you know, my beloved colleague and brother, Sheikh Mikhail, is all about like the raising hands and like calling to Allah. And for some people, that's their, that's their mode, right? Of dua is like, they got to like express it and let it out. I'm a little bit different. And maybe some of you are too. And that's not to say that one way is better, but there's just differences. I'm the kind of person that might just have to sit there quietly by myself. You know? Like I can't... 
I can't raise my hands. Like, hi. I'm too ashamed. So he says, if you have been tested by disobeying Allah, then rush <clears throat> to repent to him. As for his forgiveness, express your regret. He says, weep, cry. If you can't cry with your eyes, it's okay. Sometimes, <laughs> Mufti Kamani said this, sometimes the heart cries and the eyes don't do anything. And sometimes the eyes cry and the heart doesn't feel anything. So he's like, don't, it's obviously when the, when the, when the eyes and the heart are aligned, that's, that's nice. But if your heart is feeling that tightness, you're weeping. Even if your eyes aren't expressing it, you're weeping in that moment. Weep for the errors that you do, because he says you don't know how many of them you have. How many sins have we committed that we forgot about? I can only repent for the ones that I remember. There might be so many that I don't even know, and I'm just like, Allah, forgive me for the ones I can't even remember. And then he says, and when you feel confident about your forgiveness, and that confidence takes you away from seeking it, you know, sometimes you're like, you know, Allah ghafur rahim. He'll take care of me. It's fine. It's true. Allah can, and he will, inshallah. But nobody wants to take care of somebody that takes him for granted. Right? Allah can and He will. He promises us. My mercy over, over, overcomes any of my wrath. He, Allah loves forgiving. But for the person that is majorly negligent in their relationship, Allah's not going to reward that bad behavior. He's not going to do it. So He says, when you feel overly confident, that, you know, Allah's ghafur rahim. My sin is so small. What's the big deal? He says, don't look at the size of your sin. Look at the size of the one that you sinned against. Look at the size of the one you sinned against. If I'm talking to like some random person and I turn around and don't, I can't, I don't hear them and I, and I accidentally ignore them. You might see that and you might be like, oh man, that's, that wasn't very nice. If I did that to my mother, if I did that to an elder, if I did that to my wife, my kids, when you see that and you know the weight of that relationship, that same mistake becomes a lot worse. If it's just a stranger I've never met before, okay, it might be impolite at, at worst. But if I do that to someone that is so important to me, I turn, give them the shoulder and look down, look away from them, and you saw that, you'd be like, that is, that is criminal. That's not how you treat someone you love. So what about Allah? We keep reminding ourselves that the sins are small. But what about him? What about him? Is he small in our life? Does he mean nothing too? The sins might mean nothing, but does Allah mean nothing? And that's what Ibn, Ibn Qudam is saying. May Allah Ta'ala give us true repentance and make our hearts soft and allow us to experience repentance on, on tonight, inshallah. And as with that, I'm going to leave the rest, inshallah, to Shaykh Abdul Nasser uh, to, to teach us about the responsibility that Allah has given us as a motivation. Sometimes you need some fire under your feet. So Shaykh is going to give us that, inshallah. Uh, and as I said, I have to leave, inshallah, so that Mahreen can come for the Qiyam. So jazakumullah khairan, and I'll see you guys, inshallah, tomorrow. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. 
So the next topic that Ibn Qudama al-Maqdisi rahimahullahu ta'ala in his text al-Wasiyah, the next topic that he, The next topic that he talks talks about here that he touches on the book in the text wasiya parting advices is al-mas'uliyya wal-awaqib al-mas'uliyyatu wal-awaqib responsibilities and consequences responsibility and consequences and it is true that he takes a very very heavy tone in regards to this issue. We are going to take a look at exactly how he presents it because it is beneficial. But at the same time, I thought that it would be beneficial for us to zoom out a little bit and engage in a little bit of a preface about the issue of responsibility within Islam, within Sharia. In the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks to us about responsibility a lot. Allah says in Surah Ali Imran, Surah number 3, Ayah number 130, On the day of judgment, every soul will find that every good deed that they did will be present. And whatever evil every soul did, they will find it present as well, but they will wish that there could be a huge distance between them and their evil deeds. Allah tells us in Surah Taha, Surah number 20, um, ayah number 115, Every soul will face the consequences of its deeds. In Surah Ghafir, Allah says, اليوم تجزى كل نفس بما كسبت لا ظلم اليوم إن الله سريع الحساب Today, every soul will be, will be given the consequences of their deeds. No oppression will be committed today. It'll be fair. You'll only get what you got coming to you. And indeed, Allah is swift in His reckoning. In Surah Maryam, Surah number 19, Allah says, وَكُلُّهُمْ آتِيهِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Every soul will have to come and stand in front of God one-on-one -on -one and answer for what they've done. Allah tells us in Surah Safat, Surah number 37, وَقِفُوهُمْ إِنَّهُمْ مَسْؤُولُونَ Allah will tell the angels, stop them, hold them there, because they have to be interrogated. Allah tells us that every soul is being held as collateral. Every soul is being held basically hostage and will be released based on the deeds that that, that, that person is able to present. And that's why there's a Sahabi Abu Barza, Al-Asami radiallahu anhu, narrates from the Prophet in the book of Tirmidhi, it's mentioned. That the Prophet ﷺ said, لا تزول قدما عبد يوم القيامة That on the day of judgment, the feet of the servant, the human being, will not move from their place. The person will try to move their feet and they won't move. حتى يسأل عن عمره فيما أفناه Until the person is asked about their life and what they did in their lives.
وعن علمه فيما فعل فيه فيه and about their knowledge and how much of their knowledge they actually acted upon وعن ماله من أين اكتسبه وفيما أنفقه and about their wealth where did you earn your money from and where did you spend your money وعن جسمه فيما أبلاه and the physical strength that you had, some narrations mention the youthful years that you had, shababihi, where did you invest your youthful years and your physical energy, your physical youthful vibrance that you had, where did you invest it? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in another place in the Quran, inna sam'a wal basara wal fu'ada kullu our ability to hear, our ability to see, our ability to think and feel. These are all gifts and blessings that we'll have to answer for on the Day of Judgment. Everything we did in this world will be written down and we'll be asked about it. And on that day, you'll be asked about every single blessing that you enjoyed. Every privilege you had. Every blessing you enjoyed. You'll be asked about it. That you were given all of this. What did you decide to do with all of this? Allah tells us in the Quran that اِقْرَأْ كِتَابَكَ كَفَى Allah will say, here's your book. Read your book. You tell me what I should do with you. What would you do with somebody? who was given all of this, that الكتاب, when the book is laid down in front of the people, فيه, and those who messed up, who were not responsible, they were not mindful, they'll be afraid of what they'll find in that book. And when they look in it, they'll say, مالي هذا الكتاب? What's wrong with this book? لا يغادر صغيرة ولا كبيرة إلا أحصاها. It doesn't leave anything out. Every small thing, every big thing, everything's here. Every single thing they did in life will be right there staring back at them. And Allah wrong anybody. Will only, I mean the idea is that every person will get what they got coming. Reap what you've sown. You made your bed, now lie in it. These are your deeds. Now, obviously, the conversation about accountability, responsibility, consequences, this conversation is incomplete unless and until we talk about the mercy of Allah. But understand that there's also this idea of wishful thinking and delusion. The Quran talks about it, right? Where Allah gives us this really beautiful, powerful scene. Where Allah says, يَوْمَ تَرَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ يَسَعَانُرُهُمْ بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَبِأَيْمَانِهِمْ بُشْرَاكُمُ الْيَوْمَ جَنَّاتٌ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِيَ الْأَنْهَارِ ذَلِكَ الْفَوْزُ الْعَظِيمُ That you'll see the believing men and women on the Day of Judgment and they'll be flying by and there will be this powerful light, warm light, in front of them and on the right of them, and it will be glowing. And they'll be being, and as they are flying by, they are being congratulated. You are on your way to paradise. You have attained the ultimate success.
But guess who they're flying by? يَوْمَ يَقُولُ الْمُنَافِقُونَ وَالْمُنَافِقَاتُ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أُنْذُرُونَ نَقْتَبِسْ مِنْ نُورِكُمْ They'll fly by these other men and women, these people who are described in the Qur'an as hypocrites. They said they believed in something, but they did something totally different with their lives. They chose to live their lives totally different than, differently than what they said they believed. And they'll see these people and they'll say, wait, wait, unduruna, wait for us. Let us get a little bit of that light. Share. Sharing is caring. So share, brother. What are you going to do with all that light by yourself? And an announcement will be made and they'll be told, stop. No. You want your light? You had to get it in the life of the world. So go back and get it from there if you can. And a huge wall will come crashing down between them. But there will be an opening in the wall so that the conversation can continue. On one side of the wall, the believers, there will be the mercy of Allah. And on this side of the wall, there will be the punishment of Allah. The wrath and the anger of God. And now these people caught on the wrong side of the wall, they'll scream out to the people on the other side, Alam nakum ma'akum? You know me. The Quran tells us. They'll say, you know us. We, we, we lived in the same neighborhoods. Our kids went to the same schools. We shopped at the same supermarkets. You know me. They'll say, you're right. But there's a big difference. You deluded yourself. You allowed yourself to get distracted. And then you put things off. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Until you finally started to then develop doubt. You started to develop skepticism and doubt. Is that really important? Is this really necessary? Does that actually make sense? I don't know about this. I don't know about that. And that sounds familiar, right? That's that, again, us just consoling and comforting ourselves. amani, And then the last part, until you finally then gave in and you totally lost the plot, you totally lost yourself and you started engaging in wishful thinking. Delusions. Wishful thinking. Hatta until finally the decree, the announcement, the decision came from Allah. You had to leave this world. Your eyes closed in this world, but your heart opened up to the realities of the life of the hereafter. And then you realize how badly you messed up. And that's why Allah goes on to say, And that's why now is the time the Quran says. Wake up now. Listen to what Allah is saying now. Listen to what the Quran is saying now. Let it wake you up now. Before it's too late. Because realizing on that moment, when you see the angel of death, and then you're like, oh, I guess it was all real. Too little, too late. 
It won't help you. It's so painful to say that. That it won't help me. Because we're all facing the same test. We're all in the same test. It's so painful to say that there won't be a second chance then. We hear so much in the life of this world, there's second chances, second chances, third chances, hundredth chances. That's why the hadith in Bukhari and Muslim is there about the man who killed 99 people and then killed 100 people and then still was given another chance. But there is a cutoff that after ma'lam yugharghar, until the soul does not separate and leave the body, you have all the chances you want. But the moment that soul departs from the body, no more chances. As harsh as that sounds. No more. And so this is the time where we have to wake up. Now what does, how does the author, Ibn Qudama, Al-Maqdisi, Rahimullah, how does he go about in the task of waking us up? So he shares with us a passage from Surah Al-Rahman. And in this passage from Surah Al-Rahman, it's very, very heavy. He says, or rather, excuse me, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in this passage, Beginning with, he starts beginning with verse number 33. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ma'ashar al-jinni wal-insi in istata'atum an tanfudhu min aqatar al-samawati wal-ardi fanfudhu la tanfuduna illa bi-sultan. That O jinn and human beings, if you are capable of doing so, you don't want to deal with this accountability. You don't want to have to answer for how you lived your life. You don't want to deal with the consequences. Then leave. Then go. Go where? Leave the jurisdiction of God. Flee. Cross the border. Right? Run from the law. Cross the border. Which would mean leave the jurisdiction of God. And then he says what that would mean is you'd have to leave this universe. Everything in existence. You'd have to go outside of that. And of course you cannot do that. So therefore Allah says, Then stop denying the blessings of your Lord. This religion itself, even this accountability and the consequences, the promise of consequences, these are all blessings. To keep us in check. Stop denying these blessings. An unbelievable storm of fire and smoke will be unleashed upon you, O human beings. And no one will come to your aid. So realize Allah's blessings and stop living outside of the grace of God. You live in this world like you're going to live here forever and that this world will be here forever. This whole sky will be torn apart. 
and ripped apart and the sky will bleed. That day is coming. So stop taking things for granted. That on that day, neither mankind nor jinn will be asked about their sins. Because Allah already has the knowledge of everything you've done. Everything has been recorded. Your record, your reckoning will not depend on your recollection. Everything is recorded waiting for you. So you can't spin a story. You can't give false testimony. Not on that day. No games. Stop taking this blessing of Islam for granted. The criminals that will be written on their faces. How guilty they are. Some people will be grabbed by their forehead and dragged. And some people will be grabbed by their feet and dragged. Stop taking the opportunity to have a relationship with Allah. Stop taking it for granted. This is the fire of hell. That you tried so hard to pretend like it wasn't real. But these people in hell will spend all of eternity going around in circles from the fire to scalding boiling water back to the fire to boiling water. May Allah protect us. Stop taking this blessing for granted. Wake up. Realize you can save your soul today. And that's why in the very next Ayah, Allah tells us a secret. And for the one who fears their Lord, who is mindful of Allah, who does not take the relationship with Allah for granted, who understands that they have to answer to Allah one day for how they live their lives, and they allow that to shake them, they allow that to move them, they, it makes them hesitate, it makes them stop. It makes them think twice about what they're going to do before they do it. Those people will not be given one paradise. Allah says Allah will give them two paradises. Two paradises. And each paradise at a minimum is described as being more than ten times greater than everything in existence. The entire universe. They'll be given that much to enjoy for all of eternity. Don't take this Quran for granted. This is giving you all the answers here today. This is the ultimate answer key. The ultimate cheat sheet. It told you everything that you need to do. It tells you about everything that can go wrong. And it tells you how to fix all of that. We just have to humble ourselves. We have to have a moment a single moment. That's why the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ talks about the people under the shade of Allah. Under the shade of the throne of God. And one of them is someone who shed a single tear out of the fear of having to stand in front of Allah and answer 
about how they live their lives. Single tear in this world is enough to save our souls in the life of the hereafter. We need a single moment where we can put all of our frustrations, all of our attitudes, all of our kind of sense of defiance and self-righteousness and defensiveness. We get very defensive. Nobody likes to be called guilty. Nobody likes to accept the fact that they're wrong. But if I can just put all of that aside, put all that baggage aside, all that human baggage, and I can have a real moment in front of Allah for a second where I say, oh Allah, I messed up. I know I haven't been on the right track. And I want to fix it. I'm going to fix it. That starts tonight. I'm not going to take this for granted anymore. I'm going to start doing things the right way, or at least I'm going to try. I'm going to try to understand how to do things the right way. But oh Allah, I need your forgiveness. I beg of your forgiveness. I want to fix things. That one little moment of sincerity, that'll change a person's life. Because Allah keeps talking to us about our perspective and our attitude. We're not responsible for outcomes. But we are responsible for what our attitudes are, what our mindset is, what our perspectives are, and the kind of effort that we put into it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us sincerity. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us devotion and dedication. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the ability to repent. May Allah make us grateful. May Allah make us humble. May Allah make us repentant. May Allah make us dedicated and devout and sincere. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this a night of repentance for us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to change course tonight. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this a new beginning for all of us. Ameen ya Rabbil Alameen. Jazakumullah khairan everyone. Barakallahu feekum. Thank you very much for attending the program.